Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. You know what that means? That means you're listening to The Mystery of Parenthood. We would like you to slow down and, um, and join us as we talk about The Mystery of Parenthood. Um, here we're gathered with Stephanie Cashin is here with me and Thaddeus. And, um, hey, Trey. Hey, how are y'all doing? <laughs> and as we always do, uh, Stephanie will begin with our prayer. Absolutely. Our prayer from St. John Paul. Uh, so, yes, yeah, St. John Paul II for the families. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become, for each successive generation, a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. And grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in and through our families. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit, Holy Family of Nazareth. Pray for us. St. John Paul II. Pray, Pray for, for us. us. All right. And the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so we're uh, we're excited. Our, one of our regular guests, Sarah Bartell, is here with us. And um, Sarah, how are you? I'm, I'm really good. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. And we, we, we've got some fun things to talk about. But but the the, the gist of the, of the show is going to be on the Eucharist and holy matrimony and the the link between the two and then how we can use those to help um, teach our children about the sacredness of both. Um, Mystery Parent has always been about how does the church provide us with opportunities in sacramental formation of our children to actually teach them about life and what is sacred. And, and so we're looking forward to that. But, but I do know that I think there's some other things going on with Sarah right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. The, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go yes. ahead. Oh, yeah. We've got life in the house. So, if any of you parents out there have ever been through this, you know <laughs> all the the fun, the agony, and the the ecstasy. Every everyone in the studio is raising their hands. We've all been through it. We've all had yes. that. Yes. Yes. So I four daughters. Oh. Baby boy on the way, but all oh. my daughters except the littlest one have long hair. So it's it's a lot of. Kicking through, combing through that hair again and again. Yes, we Stephanie. Have, but do you have you have the secret solution? Do you want to do you want to release it to the public? The secret sauce is is you is Listerine. I even use the off brand. Does you it have can, to be can, yellow, or can it be any it other? It can be any color, and it can. And I I used the uh, what are the, the what's that called the off brand? No, I like I didn't. Um, I don't remember. I know I'm having because I, I wasn't involved. Finding. She was very clear to point out to Thaddeus that I was not involved. And in. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a little pre-show fun. Oh, except, Shot across the bow. Except to say, do I have it? Do I have it? Right. Do I have it? Oh, <laughs> uh, hey. But no, Google Google lice and and Listerine treatment, and it is. Uh, I'm telling you, it 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 ended our agony. It the, really the did. The mystery of parenthood brought to you by. <laughs> Listerine. Are are the off brand. So did you, when you. The the kicker. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Sarah. So what happened was um, my uncle is a priest, actually. He's the pastor of a thriving parish that's about an hour and a half away from us. So my seven year old was prepared at our home parish. You know, she went through the sacramental prep here, but this is the big special Saturday. This is last Saturday, and we got out her beautiful First Communion dress my mom mm. had made for me and all my older daughters, 
had worn it on their first communion, put her veil on. And then we had to leave early in the morning, like 7.30 in the morning to get up there for the photos. No, we had to leave at 7 for the 8 o'clock professional Mm. photos and then the 10 o'clock first communion mass. But the little girl, she just starts itching her hair, my little Beata. She's like, oh, mom, my head is so bad. So I check and sure enough, I see all these knit eggs in her hair on her first Holy Communion morning. So... Oh. A little crisis management. The devil works over to... Yes, yes. Bright it <laughs> my, up. <laughs> God bless. I know. My husband ran to the store. We we didn't know about Listerine. Yes, um, it's the best kept so secret. So we went and just bought some over-the-counter treatment and treated her, skipped the professional photos, made it in time for First oh. Holy Communion, and it's just been, then it domino effect through all yes. the other long-haired girls. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Well, there, yeah. there's, a, there's a connection right there just between... Married life and parenthood and, <laughs> and the Eucharist. And the right? Eucharist, which is what we're going to be talking <laughs> about today. today. Yeah. That's right. It was yeah. the Eucharist. You know, I was like, there is a blessing in it, right? That nothing happens accidentally. Everything's gifted providentially. I truly believe that. And mm-hmm. yes. so I've just been looking for it as I've been combing through my daughter's hair hour after hour all week. You know, I've spent a lot of real close Quality time, with time. Them, a lot of good yes. conversations, <laughs> and and I would tell them too. You know, every hair on your head is numbered, and God knows, you know exactly how many hairs you have. <laughs> you I feel a, he, like I've got a pretty good idea now. He probably knows. He probably knows how many lice are in there too. <laughs> I'm sure that he does. <laughs> oh my god! And uh, I tell you know what, little things matter. Little things are so important. Yes. <laughs> oh yes. But yeah, the Eucharist. It's just. You know, it calls us to service. We have to go out and live what we receive and just give mm-hmm. that love that Jesus fills us up with at the, the, the feast of the Mass. So I'm excited to talk about that. Combing, awesome. combing knits, that's that's in Matthew 25, isn't it? Isn't that one of the <laughs> things? <laughs> that, that's okay, not in the Kashikism. It's not in the Kashikism. Oh, there it is. <laughs> There it is. Catechism. Uh, I love so it. How many times can we use I can't the wait. I, can't, I know there's going to be a reference, like an actual reference from the catechism at some point today. Like, I'm looking <laughs> forward to it. Yeah, oh we're just, uh, whenever, whenever there's something that I said, I'm pretty sure, I'm not sure that's really in Catholic teaching, but it's in the catechism. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. Well, well awesome. Well, we're, we're really, um, you said everything is, is providential, and we really think it's been providential to have you as a regular guest Absolutely. on The Mystery of Parenthood. And oh, give our listeners, just reintroduce our listeners to you again, and also tell them about this new online uh, ministry for marriage that you and your your husband have started. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay, so I'm Dr. Sarah Bartell. I got my doctorate in moral theology at CUA. And I've been working in the area of marriage and family life, doing doing marriage prep, mentoring couples, leading marriage prep retreats, I speak at parishes. I've got a radio show up here in the Seattle area where I live. And um, my husband and I, you know, we really love um, the couples that we have been able to minister to with marriage prep and mentoring and the retreats. But we feel like, oh, you know, we wish. We wish we could have every single one of them over for dinner on an ongoing basis. Do you guys ever feel like that, Trans? Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Love those yeah. couples, and and there's so much more to share with them. And you know, they have needs too that are going to come up as they go through their married life. Um, and so we've de- we're developing an online ministry, and it's called CanaFeast.com. So we invite all of you listeners to come check it out. So we're going to officially launch July 12th which awesome. we chose because, do you know, anyone, um, that's St. Therese's parents' feast day. That's oh, nice. That's, that'll be Trevor. Oh, that'll be Trevor yeah. and Lisa's, uh, we'll, be cele- we'll be celebrating their rehearsal oh. dinner. Yeah, awesome. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yes. That's a good oh, one. That's so great. great day. That's good stuff. Yes. Awesome. That's awesome. That is well. so neat. Well, Louie and Zelie Martin. You know, she had a lace-making business, and mm-hmm. Louis um, did the marketing for it. He would go into Paris and, and get orders for her. And so they were in business together, and Nathan and I, my husband and I, are really excited to do this, you know, and bring bring what we've learned, all these um, really great practices and knowledge and catechesis and theology and knowledge about NFP and just all the good stuff, you know, how to communicate well in a, just like a regular way to feed and nourish uh, married couples. And we're especially looking at married couples from the newlyweds 
um, stage up through about 15 years of marriage. You know, some of you got some school age kids, beginning teenage years. Um, but you know, a lot of couples in that stage, they're fighting, they're just struggling with infertility or struggling to adjust to being new parents and <laughs> how to, right. how to connect and yeah. stay close and have that passion and joy in marriage, even when they get, you know, a lot of kid activities <laughs> and issues come up like life. Like life. Yeah. But, yeah. So it's going to be, um, that sounds so fabulous. Right now we're sending out weekly emails with lots of great tips that you can use today to bring more joy into your marriage today. Awesome. Um, and then when we launch, we're going to have like this online community and master classes, like a, like an online virtual marriage retreat, basically. So canafeast.com. That is so You're all invited neat. to the feast. Yay. That's so awesome. I think yeah. it's really important because I, you know, I, I think you can get so, particularly in those early years, I mean, even now, but, but you, you can get so caught up in everyday life that sometimes you forget that there are other people going through similar circumstances. I know that particularly early on, I felt like we're the only people that are having this problem or, or that. And it's good mm-hmm. to have, it's good to have a community and it's not always easy to be able to get together. Like you, like you said, get together with other people face to face, but to feel like in nowadays with the, what you have to be able to have an online community that you could talk through and that be encouraged and all those I think is outstanding. So I'm yes. excited about that. We'll be that's jumping on there oh, soon. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. Yes. And so listeners, that's Kana, C-A-N-A, feast. Yeah. Dot com. Awesome. And I like what you yeah. said there about uh, community, Trey, because that's what we're going to be really focusing on today is the community, the community of persons or two people in holy matrimony and the communion that we have with our Lord in the Eucharist. And we're going to be looking at the back and forth and how they, uh, by kind of looking at them together, we we can understand each one of those better and how we can kind of communicate that to our, our children, right? Yeah, and I, you know, part of what we've always said is that the that the church gives us these gives us these these signs because we're human. We need tangible things. God's made it that way that that we can learn from. And I think that. During any sacramental formation, you you have the opportunity to teach other things to them with regard to just day to day life. But I think one of the things that I was talking about was this this um, reading from First Corinthians. It's you know the cup of blessing which we bless. Is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? And I'd done a paper on years ago on on the word participation, which koinonia was the is the Greek term, and the link between how intimate a union um, there is between us and when we receive the Lord, between us and Christ in that moment, and how a reflection of that is the intimate union that a husband and wife experience. Um, and so I, I just thought that, that there's a nice kind of bringing together of, the, of that idea, and, and the communion is an intimate communion between two persons. So... Anyway. That's so powerful because, you know, husband and wife, we become one flesh. And just to think about at Mass with receiving Jesus' body and blood, you know, taking him into ourselves, like we become one flesh, we just become wedded and joined mm-hmm. to to Jesus and his body in a very, you know, in a real profound way. It's physical, it's spiritual, it's like all of who we are joined to all of who he is. It is very intimate. Right. And isn't it, isn't it correct? I mean, the, the, the idea that, that it's the whole Christ, totus Christo, I don't know the right word, but, but that it's offered in mass that we are offering ourselves together with him to the father as mm-hmm. one, as one body. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause even actually at the end of that reading, it, it talks, you know, about, um, uh, because we, because there is one bread, we who are one body, we who are many are one body for we all partake of the one bread is the next line after that. So there's this sense of not sense. I mean, it's the reality that that while we look like different people that we're actually becoming one with Christ and then being offered, offering ourselves together with him to the father. I don't know if that, that that may be 70s blazing over here, but yeah, and that, you know, the more we receive him and are, are transformed by him, the more we become like, you know, we let Jesus take over in us and yeah, that's right. And all of us together in our very, in our various lives, 
are joined in communion, you know, with all the other folks in your parish and mm-hmm. all of us Catholics around the world are truly Jesus' body. It's amazing. I was really touched when I learned that when we offer, you know, if you're in the offering rite at Mass, right. when the, the gifts are brought up, the mm-hmm. hosts and the wine, that this is really our offering of the work of our lives. Like everything, your whole week that you've just had, right. your work, mm-hmm. your play, you know, uh, your family life, what all the stuff you've been doing, like all of who you are, it's like Picking we're, nuts. we're joined together. <laughs> Even that too, yep. <laughs> Loving service. We're offering that up. Um, the, 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 the mundane reality, you know, mm-hmm. like the ordinariness of it, like the post is made out of ordinary wheat and we give it to God. And he says, you know, uh, you know, thank you for your offering. But then he transforms it and gives it back to us, completely transformed into offering his whole self to us. And then we receive that and, and become him. It's just wow. amazing. So that really helped me understand more what it means to participate in Mass, that it's not just saying the responses with gusto. It's like knowing that me being here, me offering up my life, my family, <laughs> all of my, you know, all I've got, that that's giving to God something that he can transform. And, uh, I guess, I guess in a, I guess in a sense, um, it's probably, it's probably true that our blessed mother stood there at the foot of the cross and she saw her son suffering. And there was a, probably a crystallization of this, this is what everything that I went through with him from, the Annunciation, through the finding in the temple, through the through ordinary the Can- through the wedding feast at Cana, his ministry, his passion. I see it all now crystallized, and that's that. That is what we're supposed to do. I think at at Mass too, as we we are called to to see our week, like you're saying, crystallized in. Oh, I I was suffering along with Christ in these moments. And did I offer it up or did I not? Oh, this is where Mm -hmm. Christ was blessing me in these moments. Did I see that or did I not see that? Yeah, it just reminds me too, Sarah, of something we used to do with our kids when they were little. um, Because, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, and our God is a tangible God. That's why he left us the the sacraments. But so to make some things tangible for the kids. um, And of course, we checked with our priest before we did this. He didn't, he wasn't like, what the heck is in this basket, you know? Um, but <laughs> when they when they passed around the offering, we had our kids write things that they, you know, that they would that they did that week that you know they offered to Jesus, or a struggle, or a joy, a praise, a, you know, um, so that it was something a little bit more tangible for them to, you know, it wasn't money, but it was it was, and, and we wanted them to know that it's not, you know, God doesn't want just money; He He wants all of you. And so that was something that we did with the kids when they were really um, little. We had them fill that out before, you know, before Mass, and then at the offertory, they were able to put that in the in the basket. And and again, just kind of a more tangible way that that basket is brought up, you know, to the altar. And and there is your sacrifice. There is your joy. There is your struggle. It's on the altar, you know. Right. Um, and that, that's so beautiful. I love yeah, that. Yeah, check with your priest because yeah. we did say, look, there's going to be some paper in, the, in there that's that's not um, yes, it does not pass as legal tender. And <laughs> but it's our, we're not we're not counterfeiting. We're not trying to counterfeit. <laughs> but but I but it does make me remember. You know, there's a the, there's that prayer that you don't always hear that you know the work of human hands and the prayer mm-hmm. as the offering comes up. And I think that one of the things that we also talk with our kids to try to point is the fact that Jesus picked bread and and picked wine. And then if you look at what it takes to make bread and wine, it's not like a thing that just exists out there. It takes the farmer or the the vineyard wine grower. It takes that person. Then it takes the person that that mixes the the flour with the water and it takes an oven it takes all these different people and different things and that all of those very ordinary things are what allows us to have Jesus become present to us in 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 what looks like wine and what looks like bread and that that kind of is a way of communicating to us that we all have participation in the very ordinary things of life 
in in that offering that we should be bringing that to them. That's what the full conscious and active participation in the mass is meant to be, I think. Yeah. That's really wonderful. Yeah, that all of that, you know, and all those seasons, days, um, you know, cultivating the grapes, right. tending the wheat and all of that. That's just our ordinary, yeah, work of human hands that gets mm-hmm. brought into something so much bigger than, um, you know, <laughs> than, the, than those grapes and that wheat <laughs> could ever fathom. <laughs> yeah, there's a, what we're doing right now in our house is um, we have a book we're reading through a few pages or a few paragraphs at a time at dinner time called What Happens at Mass? And it's by Jeremy Driscoll, who's a Benedictine monk out here in the Northwest. He's oh. actually abbot right now of Mount Angel Abbey, which is in Oregon, which is a beautiful, really beautiful place to go visit. Um, and and he has just written a thin little book, but it's so profound. And he does go into that, just what you were saying, Trey, about like the profound meaning of just those elements of wheat and um of and the the wine and all that that represents and all that means for us in our daily life being being gathered up and offered as well. Yeah, I think I think it's I think that they would have understood back then a lot more because I, I we went through when when Red Sea started we um we went through this idea of hey you know kids don't really know when they think of bread I mean. It's something they get off that they get off the shelf. Most of them right. have never made bread. They don't even know where it comes from. And so, we actually went back and and showed wheat. You know, we had wheat. Then we then we showed how flour was made. That it was ground. And and the, you know what was profound was is it was a family kind of catechism that we were doing. And when you ask them, well, what could this mean? You know, what could the grinding of the wheat mean, or the smushing of the Grapes and what could the mm-hmm. what could the fermentation process or the um, the baking of the bread mean? And it was amazing to just put it out there and to show them uh, that what would come out of their mouths, you know, because it was. The, wow. I mean, we had young people, seven, eight year old kids that would say, "Well, that's like when things don't go the way you want, or maybe it hurts a little bit." And the connections that were made, Holy Spirit led because they now became aware of how bread, in fact, Father, now Bishop Mike Sis, was kind enough to let each of us, he gave us a, he actually gave us a um, Eucharistic bread um, recipe and allowed each of the families to make Eucharistic bread. And he actually allowed us to bring all those, and he consecrated it um, at, at a mass, obviously explaining that this was not the, the normal deal but I, but it meant so much to the kids and to us to have actually worked on it from flour water baking everything to um actually walking it up as families to the altar i just think i just think that the more you can do things to try to get your kids to understand that everything that they do and any to help us understand that everything they can do dealing with lice all of that can be brought, brought <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there and and be offered to God mm-hmm. together with His perfect sacrifice. Oh, Thaddeus is laughing. I, I don't, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sarah. That's just so so tough. Such a tough thing to have to go through. I, I, oh, <laughs> so tough. I remember when we, we had to we we had to deal right we had to deal with lice uh, two years ago. I guess three years ago now, when on top of it, we were living out of our house that had flooded. So we were living in other quarters and we had been moving from, you know, this place for a few months to this. So it was just sort of now this, you know, Robin, (laughs) my wife and I, we had never had lice growing up. We had never even had to deal with that growing up. And then in this, this difficult situation of being out of our home and having to pay mortgage and pay, make a rent payment. And then we got to deal with lice and, Oh, it just seemed like one thing things after stacked on top of, eno- of, of each other. And such a good image yeah. of being ground. Wheat being right. ground. I was just thinking you're like those grapes being 
There's a little bit more you can handle. <laughs> and if you knew what I looked like, there, there's not much of me to squish or ground. <laughs> so, oh, my goodness. Um, wow. Hey, I wanted to know if we could go in another direction I, I think that's interesting to me about the connection between the Eucharist and matrimony is to my mind in those two sacraments there seems to be a special emphasis on the need for bodily purity before <gasps> you know coming into oh wow i hadn't thought about that the mm-hmm. the act so you know baptism confirmation holy orders extreme unction it's and i'm speaking a little bit off the cuff here so please correct me if i'm wrong it no, would be right it would be well it would be good if one is you know not in a state of of mortal sin before they contracted those contracted before they received those sacraments but it's not it's not necessary where it is as it is to receive the eucharist you 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 need to be in a state of of grace or else you drink um what how does saint paul say it judgment on you drink judgment upon yeah, yourself. No condemnation. Right, condemnation. And while I guess it's not required by the sacrament of matrimony that you be in a state of grace, you typically are taken, you know, you make a confession very close to before you receive the sacrament, maybe like the night before, like the night of your... A lot of people, I think, do it before they have their rehearsal. That's how, That was my experience. But That's great. There's a special emphasis on being pure spiritually before you receive that sacrament. And then obviously, you know, the hope is that the man and the wife, when they come into the marriage, they're both virgins. They haven't they haven't had intercourse outside of marriage. So what does that tell us of and how can we, especially as our children get older, and maybe can we lay the groundwork for something that, there's something there. I think there's something that's oh, speaking to us down. there. Well, and then, so in the Jewish religion, before you celebrate a wedding, you have a mikvah, a ritual cleansing oh. bath. Mm. So that is how the bride and groom prepare for going under the chupa, you know, the wedding canopy. Mm-hmm. And so this was known in the, you know, in the ancient world as well, when Jesus came. So the, first generations of Christians really saw baptism as like the mikvah. It's, this is like the cleansing bath before going to the, you know, the, the wedding feast of yes. the Eucharist there. So, um, yeah, that really is profoundly symbolic and meaningful. And, and in it just like an ordinary down home kind of way, you know, we ask our kids to wash up before supper, right? You wash your hands. If you've been out working, you're all sweaty, maybe put on a clean shirt for dinner. But, you know, this is a special, uh, special event of communion, of being together with each other. And we want to, want to be at our best. And yes, absolutely encouraging our kids to see that keeping themselves pure sexually as the best preparation for marriage and knowing to Jesus' mercy that, you know, we make mistakes or maybe we've been ignorant or used or whatnot and um, or swayed by the culture, that he can make us new in that beautiful sacrament of reconciliation and cleanse us um, and wow. prepare us to just go fresh and clean. And, and even in the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, right, doesn't it talk about, or is this in Ezekiel, that uh, Jerusalem... I think mm-hmm. we just had this reading recently. Yeah, last it's, weekend, it's Revelation. Right? You're right. Yeah, the mm-hmm. the um, city of Jerusalem comes all be- beautiful and cleansed and, and adorned like a bridegroom prepared for her bride. So mm-hmm. we as a whole church need to do this as well as uh, you know the bride of Christ to continually purify and cleanse ourselves. As, kind of hits home in, in these times we're living in with the sex abuse crisis that, you know, we, we need to all do our best to be the holiest, you know, Adam in the church, the holiest little morsel of the church that we are um, to, to help be the best bride of Christ we can be. Yeah, and, and St. Paul, you know, says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing uh, of water with the word. So, um 
I think that's beautiful context to put it into, Sarah, for um, holiness um, for us, for our children, that gives meaning to why we why we strive for holiness. I mean, not only are we called to holiness by, you know, the doc, the documents of Vatican II, um, Lumen Gentium, right? I believe yes. So. Yes. Universal but, call to holiness. But you're, <clears throat> you're putting in that context of we are the, the bride of Christ. We want, we want that bride to be pure and, and holy and, and beautiful for him. And each one of us striving for that helps that happen. So it, it gives a real eternal and profound meaning to why each one of us should strive for that. Now, that's not probably enough to help a 14-year-old not be swayed by the culture, but if they're, being, <laughs> if they're imbibing that, if they're drinking from that since the time of their youth— in their home, um, I think that I think that can work a profound influence. And so I, I know that Steph, uh, one of our good friends, you know, talks about holiness because I think you know the word holiness gets thrown around a lot, um, and I think frequently it carries with it some maybe sackcloth and ashes. Uh, right. <laughs> You know, pickle juice, I think, is what... Listerine. It's what St. Francis said. I mean, Pope Francis said that too many Christians walk around like they just drank some pickle juice or something like that. But what what's your 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 good friend talk about holiness? Oh, yeah. Holiness should be fun. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I think that, you know, I think it's important for us to do... Because I think it, I, we were talking about this not too long ago on a show regarding uh it was a matthew kelly book called the the biggest lie in in christianity and it's that holiness is not attainable or i mean that's the that that one can't become holy and um so why even try so why even try is kind of what he's he says and that's and that's not but i think it's sometimes it's because because i remember talking to people and sometimes people this idea of holiness is is somebody who is in constant you know prayer on their knees with their hands folded that are always you know sitting in a in in an adoration chapel which certainly would be good but for for you Sarah for me and Stephanie for Thaddeus for pretty much everybody who's listening the reality is is we don't have time to do that but on a you know <laughs> it has to be well planned and it's a short period of time relative to the rest of what we have to do running people to places, right? Well, and I think that brings in that, you know, that our fa- that we as individuals, but we as families also have a mission that God has us to fulfill and only us um, as, as an individual and as a family. And because I remember a time when I thought holiness was pious, quiet children, and I thought, oh, great, I'm going to hell. Because <laughs> Sarah, Whoa, if you met our kids, you met our kids, they're they're not quiet, well behaved. Well, they're maybe well behaved. They're, they're well behaved, behaved, but they're certainly not quiet but because they're, they're related to us. So. Oh well, you know, and think about like the feast analogy, the wedding feast of the Lamb. This is not everyone kneeling quietly at the table with hands folded. <laughs> you know, when I hear feast and that image of heaven, it sounds a little boisterous to me. You know, it's exactly. Just, like when we think of our Irish, or, you know, the Catholic cultures like the Irish and Italians. And, you know, yes, yes. They they sell a lot of yeah celebration. Ma- mass and, and mass is a, to celebrate mass, right? So there's a sense of this is joyful. This is I mean we we have to couple rel- being reverent, obviously, with this sense of this is a celebration. <laughs> this is something amazing that's going on here, and 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 to. <laughs> Any thoughts on on how you communicate that with your kids? I mean, in terms of because you're trying the balance between reverence and and celebration that often kind of is like okay, it's either or; it can't be both. I mean, I'd I really you know what's coming to my mind. I don't know what you guys do in Texas, but coffee and donuts. The donuts after mass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a celebration. There you kids. go. They, oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, well, but yeah, but they know, you know, we really expect them to, uh, best as they can, focus during mass. And since they were little, we would always, you know, kind of whisper in their ear, oh, look at what, you know, what's going on up at the altar now. Now this is happening. Or, uh, you know, yes. we read the readings for the mass ahead of time while we're having our pancake breakfast, um, 
we, we usually go to the, we have an 11 o'clock mass at our home parish. So we need to yeah. feed these kids before yeah. we go. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, <clears throat> and they love their pancakes. Oh, boy. But then we bring out the gospel for the week that we're going to hear at mass and read it there and discuss it a bit. So I, I'm hopeful that this is building the connections in their mind between this fun time as a family, having pancakes with whipped cream, berries <laughs> and syrup, and, uh, and what we're about to do, this really profound, uh, you yeah, know, Trey, celebration just, event. Trey, and then yeah, okay. the donuts after, most of the time, <laughs> right. they've been good. Sugared up sandwich. Well, and Trey used to, um, as I got older, he used to, um, I love, he, he would, when we would read the gospel, um, he would ask the kids, what do you think the priest is going to talk about? What do you think he's going to do in his oh, homily? Yeah. So it's really fun to see if, you know. Hey, who was right about this yeah. or that? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, with regard to reverence and celebration, I, I, it just popped into my head. This past weekend, we went to a wedding and, and we went to the, to the reception afterward and, there is that great combination of the wedding was a was beautiful and and very reverent mm-hmm. and quiet and and quiet and intimate and then and then there was this great celebration i guess you know the coffee and donuts except there's <laughs> more than coffee and donuts but, but there's this sense yeah. that they're not they're they're not necessarily like either or there's something that flows from this reverence that leads to i mean maybe is the beginning of a celebration um, so maybe I wonder how that, how that couples, this is, I'm talking out loud about, about the intimacy of a husband and wife and then the, the children that come and the, and the noise and the <laughs> chaos and fun that, that, that occurs as a result of that union. <laughs> well, I did a little quick. That's like the coffee and donuts. Right, exactly. <laughs> like the extended years long coffee and donuts. Uh, well, I, and everything. It is though. I, I think, so. I think it's important maybe, cause I think this is really important to kind of be able to, cause lots of times it's both. And I mean, you know, to be celebratory doesn't mean not to be reverent and to be reverent doesn't mean, okay, mm-hmm. we're just going to walk around like we just drank pickle juice. Uh, you know, that, that they kind of are, are somehow linked together. Well, and you've gone so, from the celebration and communion with the saints and those family members that have gone before you at mass to hopefully communion and community with those who you, okay. you know, yeah. I think a lot of what you're going to be, y'all have been saying it. You're going to find this really interesting. I did a little quick digging. Uh-oh. So Uh-oh. celebration, that the, the, noun, the yeah. noun celebration, <laughs> that comes from the Latin celebrationum, which means numerous attendance, numerous attendance. Oh. Okay. So celebrationum, the celebration word, that came from honoring a day or a season by appropriate festivities, right? So oh. honoring a, fe- a feast day, right? Religious festivals. Right. And so because the village or the city came out and there was a, maybe a procession or something like that. Lots of people, you get that association between the celebration of a feast day with lots of people and then all of this festivity. Mm. Okay. But celebration, the noun, the, the verb celebrate, it comes from Latin, Celebratus, much frequented, kept solemn. Oh, wow. Past participle of celebrare, assemble to honor. Oh, wow. And then the meaning of celebrate, the verb in the mid-15th century, was to perform publicly with appropriate rites. And it was directly connected with the Mass. Well, it didn't, in that, in that, in that, uh, the... The definition of what liturgy is, isn't, it? isn't that right? It's a public... It's a public... It's work for the public. Yeah. Oh, so cool. so the verb celebrate is very much associated with solemnity, um, religious rites, um, singing praise, frequent um, assembly. But I think that assembly to honor and keep solemn, right? But then that popular kind of understanding we have of celeb- of celebrating right. is more connected with celebration and the f- religious festivities and many, many people getting together. But like you're saying, there's a both and Hey, Cliff Notes version, getting back to Sarah, mass, coffee and donuts, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
but there's actually it's very proper it's very proper for the for the mass to to be solemn right and mm-hmm. reverent mm-hmm. it's not a uh, it's not a contradiction in terms. Right. That, don't you it's, think it's, it's the something? Catholic tension? Yeah, That's exactly. Right. <laughs> Which is good. The Catholic tension between the two. I, yeah. I, I don't know, Sarah. What are your thoughts on on, on that? I think that that sometimes I, I've seen where people want to make less solemn or it's too solemn, too you know, and because there's this belief that it can't be both and. It can't be solemn. And then celebratory and joyful. And, joyful. Right. and right. That, that's a connection that. Right. And I think that's why my friend is always kind of trying to tout holiness can be fun or should be fun, you know, mm-hmm. um, at which, you know, you kind of think about we're not supposed to walk around with, you know, the sackcloth and the sad face. I mean, we're supposed to. There's a time for everything. Yeah. Right? That's right. But I'm having right. fun when I'm at a beautiful mass with yes. you know, mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. reverent liturgy and uh, Absolutely. <laughs> don't have to cringe when, uh, you know, the, the soft rock band strikes up for the... <laughs> <laughs> You're not looking around every corner for uh, liturgical abuse. <laughs> right. No, I'm not going to exactly. get in. Well, yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree. True. I, but it is. I love that... Um, Thaddeus, that the the very word that we've received in English just really made its way through the centuries with such a connection to the Mass and to holy, you know, reverent gatherings. Um, that's really awesome. That's yeah. Great. Man, I, I, like I said, I, I, I hope this is, for the people out there listening, it's helpful for me, but but sometimes I think that that it's important for, hopefully, the listeners out there to hear that there's there's this always this going back and forth between the everyday stuff and the the sacraments that we have. Right. There's this there's this deep connection that that really can be used to teach yeah. and to inform and to to let them know that that this whole thing that's going on that's life is connected and draws life from the mass, the source right. and summit of of our faith. But then it, it flows out into is not disconnected from going to baseball practice or picking out nits of lice or, or whatever, or whatever may come our way. Well, and I think what Sarah said, you know, that like in mass, they're whispering in their kids ears, what's going on. I mean, I know we probably, our listeners have heard this before, but you know, we, we always, even in our chaos, tried to sit on the front row because I think the most distracted children in church are the ones that can't see what's going on. You know, mm-hmm. you think you're going to sit in back so they'll be quiet and, you know, you won't disturb anybody. But I really think that, you know, and, and people are like, wait, sit on the front row. But it, it really, and, and of course we, we did practice when they were a lot younger, we were able to go to daily mass a lot more and which is, you know, kind of a great testing practice, you know, muscle ground. Cause it's, right. you know, 30 minute mass. So it's, it's a little bit shorter than, than Sundays. So, you know, so just getting into, again, that tradition or that habit for your family um, and finding out what works for you, but to, to really, I mean, like train, I've always said the most heartwarming thing in the church to hear is, you know, at, at the Eucharistic prayers and the priest lifts up, you know, what's now Jesus to hear a baby say, you know, a child say, there's Jesus, you know, <laughs> I, I've had, I actually had a parent apologize for, <laughs> for a kid being too loud. I'm, I'm like, like, Hey, no. if, the, if, the, if you're four year old yelling Jesus, when he, I mean, you know, that, uh, there's been worse promise. Yeah. That's awesome. I think another interesting connection or, or or call to me with those two, the meaning of those two words is, so, you know, go to Mass on Sunday, revel in that solemn, reverent liturgy, but then go home and don't make Sunday like every other day. Have, have a couple mm-hmm. families over, do a backyard barbecue, get out, throw the Frisbee around, um, have a celebration on that, on that Sunday as as often as you as you can, make it something celebratory. Yeah, yes, set apart. it's a it's a that's really beautiful. Yeah, and we used to always say make you it know, a special day, right? And then we used to always say you know the holy days of obligation or whatever. I said you know it's they used to use it here, but I you know I, I would say we don't have to go to mass. We get to go to mass <laughs> was often you know we, I mean it's something I want to, and so we as parents I think need to express what's going on in mass. First of all, we have to understand that, I mean, there we are in, in with the heavenly host. There we are with the angels. You know, we can't see it any more than we can see, you know, Jesus, but 
he's there. And there's a lot of beautiful studies and books out on, on the mass. So, you know, we've always said that, I mean, I feel like one of the things that, that kids have done for me is just really put me on a path to holiness <laughs> and wanted me to investigate and search more. I, I wanted to be able to give my kids myself answers. You know, I grew up cradle Catholic. And so a lot of times, you know, I didn't know why we did what we did sometimes. And so, um, so don't be afraid to say, I don't know, let's do a study. Let's do a, you know, um, let's read a book. I mean, that's, that was always the answer. And so what house. was that book yeah. that y'all were reading, Sarah? Again, could you? Oh, it's yeah. called, and I think it's out of print, but I think oh. you can find it used on Amazon, which is what we did. Yeah. It's called What Happens at Mass by Jeremy Driscoll, OSB. And that's pretty That's pretty accessible to what what ages? Oh, yeah. Well, so we have a 13 and a 15-year-old, and okay. they like to read a lot. So but even uh, so, they have no problem following along. And But then the little kids, who ours are five and seven, um, we kind of just will explain a little bit to them if yeah. the language was... A little bit. I always um, think they rise you know, up to the occasion that you and that, present. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's another and thing. They see everyone else is having the discussion, so they kind of, you know, their ears perk up and they're listening. And, and that's another thing I think that we should challenge each other to as as parents is to, don't say your your children or the Holy Spirit short. Yeah. I mean, especially the Holy Spirit. Especially <laughs> the Holy Spirit. We can tell each other short, I guess. But 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 I've seen when you when you call them to it, when you, the, the amazing ability for them to actually even enlighten you as they say something. I was something. about to say, I out mean, of the mouths of babes come, sometimes. Things will come out of their mouth and you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> That's, there's something yeah. beautiful there. So don't like limit, yeah. limit what you're, I mean, you try to gauge it to their age, but you might be surprised as you try to talk them through it at what may come out of their mouth as they, as they, begin to try to assimilate whatever it is that you're saying. So we have, we have about six or seven minutes left. Amazingly enough, fly by. <laughs> yeah. So I want to make sure that um, if there's any burning points or um, information that, you know, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, yeah. I had a question yeah. for the, well, th- just, yeah, go ahead, Sarah. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, just real quick. I just think there is such a profound connection between ordinary family life and preparing us for understanding what happens at mass that just, you know, the studies show families that eat meals together, those kids are different. Those kids are happier. They're doing better in school. They're less likely to be, mm-hmm. you know, getting into trouble in various ways. Um, you know, it's like a great preventative measure for helping inoculate your kids against drug use and promiscuity is eat dinner with them at least three times a week because, um, you know, th- that correlates. Because it forms you knowing that you belong to this community that this family that you're sharing your your day with each other um and i just think that there's something analogous that happens at mass when we go week by week you know we're being formed um by that and it's changing us and keeping us out of trouble <laughs> right. that's all that's awesome no that's awesome uh in the last couple minutes i just wanted to bring the discussion between those two senses of celebrate and celebration did y'all have any thoughts on do you see any connection there with, with matrimony? Those different senses of numerous attendance and um, sol- solemnity? Yeah, I think, I think part, of, uh, part of the things I've tried, especially as the kids have grown older, is because I think, this, I think it's kind of, I think we grew up this way, Stephanie. I mean, I, you know, where there was this sense that somehow the, the intimate union between a man and a woman, even in marriage, there was something wrong about it. I mean, which is, you know, like something, and I always say, no, it's the, it's so sacred, so special. That's why yeah. it's reserved for well, I think because it's pre- it, I think what you're saying is it's presented as a no instead of a weight, <laughs> instead of a, you know, instead of a preserve. Oh, that's, and such special, a good in, that's such a yeah. good insight on how y'all try to parent, which is you try to say yes. And sometimes what that yes looks like in practical terms is not yet. Not mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. in a little while. Mm-hmm. You try right. not to put down that right. absolute no. And sometimes, right. the no, you know, you, sometimes you say no That's to protect really your, I mean, Stephanie's always said, sometimes you say no to protect your yes. So mm-hmm. if you're saying, if you're saying, yes, I may be called to marriage, I'm going to, I'm going to say no now so that my yes is completely myself. Yeah. And it's for this beautiful union that is, that is meant for marriage, not 
something cheap, not mm-hmm. something dirty, but something yeah. holy gift. and beautiful and gift. gift. Yeah. And I think another great... And the Lord is there. He's present in that, which, mm-hmm. you know, really, <laughs> it's kind of weird to think, you know, when, I guess when we think about marital intimacy and, and Jesus present in that, well, he is the one who invented love. He's the one who made our bodies. And, exactly. <laughs> and so he really is there in that, in that mystery. And I think that's why we gather so many people together, you know, to celebrate with, mm-hmm. because we're just reverencing um, the, the beauty and profound meaning of that. Well, it also makes the marital union Trinitarian in a sense. If, if Christ is there with the man and the woman when they come together, then there's three persons there in a mm-hmm. sense or three oh, yeah. Yeah, and that, that, maybe that's heretical I don't well, know no, I, don't, I, bet, <laughs> <laughs> I hope not I'm not trying to be it's not in the cachechism <laughs> it's not in the cachechism <laughs> I guess that's in the Romo Romoism but I do think that there that, that this idea that that marriage is something sacred something special and that that relationship between the man and the woman is something that to be you say no to protect your yes you know, mm-hmm. I, I think that that's important for us, and I think is different from people who cheapen it by making it, you know, anytime, anywhere type of right. mentality right. that tends to be going around. Okay, I'm going to have to move us to our memory verse, guys, because we're down to two minutes. We don't want to cheapen Amazing. it. Yes. We want to give, yes. You the, yes. give you the time you deserve. We're, thank you, Thaddeus. We're gonna we're gonna uh, use one Corinthians eleven twenty four. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four is our memory verse this week. And uh, any last? Any thoughts? Any uh, last Any last seconds? Sarah, Sarah last really? word. Sarah, last word. <laughs> oh, I just want to invite listeners again to come check out KinaFeast.com yes. and Can't wait. Nathan and I are serving up to help bless your marriage with joy and holiness. Can't wait to have. I know. Can't wait to give that to to, yeah to Trevor and Lisa. Listerine, Sarah. Listerine. (laughs) Holiness and Listerine. There we go. Remember, only God can help you take the mystery out of parenthood. Pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. God bless. God bless. Pray for us. We're praying for you.